homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. We like to get our arms around all y'all. I'm Laura Jones, and joining me in the Zoom room, we have Aldine. Hey, punk rock farmer. It's great to be here. Thanks, Laura. All right, so Al, I know that you've been waiting and waiting for the right time to get these guests on for the Urban Farm Report tonight. Who are we going to hear from? So R&A Hydroponics are with us, Ron and Anita, and um, they have a storied journey in the last few years, and we'll uh, talk about their past and their present. I remember doing a seventh grade science fair about hydroponics, so I'm curious how they've taken it past the junior <laughs> high into a full-blown urban farm. I think that's really exciting. We're going to check in with our friends from Red Acre Center about action on the hill. Skywatcher Leo T as well. And I got a love note request, Al. We want folks to send some love out to the small ag community to it or from it for Valentine's Day. So stick around for that. But first, let's start with some music. And we've got a special guest, Al. Yeah, Jason Rabb's with us. And uh, from the home program at the library, they're taking in all kinds of local music. And there's a deadline coming up on February 22nd. And uh, it's great to have you, Jason. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for having me back. Um, it's really nice to be here to talk about local music. And we sort of have a surprise. We usually do one band, but we're going to do three tonight. Tell us who we have. Um, yeah, we have music from um, Josely Paulette. We have the Neon Natives and Rosie Diamond. Just a small sampling of what folks can get with their library card and they can access it. Actually, I don't even need their library card. You can access it at slcpl.org. How big is the HUM catalog? Here, Utah Music is what it stands for, folks. Yeah, so the HUM catalog is always growing and we're up to um, over 200 albums now. Great. So we're going to talk about how folks can submit, Al, but let's get this first song going. The first song is Josely Pollitt, and the song is Capable, and she's a great artist. We've had her on before, but this is obviously something new, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. So uh, Josely grew up in Ogden, um, has been playing music in Salt Lake City and beyond for, for many years. And this one is from their latest album, No Woman is the Sea. And the song is called Capable, and you can find it in the home collection. This is Josely Pollitt, fresh and homegrown with Capable on KRCL 90.9 FM. I am capable of ferocious love, but I don't think I'll try it again. If after some time someone wants to be mine Gonna feel this old heart closing in And if I cry Just what I knew 
Support for KRCL comes from the Utah Division of Arts and Museums. They provide support, services, and funding for artists and cultural organizations across the state of Utah. More at artsandmuseums.utah.gov. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here as we look up, look around, and get lost in space. The solar system's four solid planets can be seen right now. Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Earth are all visible at dawn. Venus is now passing nearly as close to Mars as it gets this time. And to find that fourth planet, well, look under your feet and all around you. And look at the chart from Sky and Telescope on the Skywatcher Leo TFB page. That'll show you all the sources for this segment as well, and some great pictures of some other events, including as we take the ship out to this same solar system to that planet Venus we just mentioned, Europe's solar orbiter had a fairly close encounter with Comet Leonard. As Comet Leonard bid farewell to Earth and flew past Venus, the spacecraft flew through the comet's long tail, giving humans a new look. The ESA's solar orbiter flew through the comet's tail as the spacecraft continues on its journey to study the sun and out around Venus in order to catch a big slingshot effect back around the planet to the sun. And as a bonus, so happens that the nucleus of the comet was near Venus about 28 million miles away from the spacecraft as the comet's tail stretched past Earth's orbit in a swirly configuration. And another space exploration, NASA will roll its moonbound rocket out to the launch pad in March. Artemis 1 moon mission will be an unmanned test flight of the rocket and its space launch system. NASA hopes that Artemis 1 can blast off in April or May. The uncrewed mission will test NASA's new Orion spacecraft on a trip around the moon as they get ready to send astronauts to the moon for the first time since 1972. 
The second mission will send four astronauts around the moon and the third will land a crew on the lunar south pole in 2024 or 2025. NASA needs a little bit more time to finish up work in the vehicle assembly building before rolling the rocket out for the first time. This vehicle assembly building, the same one, is the same one that the first Apollo missions were assembled in. And looking at those first launches and zeroing in on Apollo 11, Michael Collins was the command module pilot on this first trip to land on the moon. In his book, Carrying the Fire, he writes about the experience of being in the command module and orbiting the moon while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, utilizing computer guidance, fired the thrusters and then using seat-of-the-pants manual flying, almost out of fuel, kicked up some dust and reported those scratchy historic words, the eagle has landed. Collins relates that the media dubbed him as the loneliest man in the world. Well, first of all, he wasn't on the world, but anyway. As he flew around the dark or backside of the moon, one journalist says, Not since Adam has any man experienced such loneliness. Collins writes that there definitely is a feeling of solitude. It is there, reinforced by the fact that radio contact with the Earth absolutely cuts off at the instant he disappears behind the moon. I am absolutely isolated from any known life. I feel this powerfully, not as fear or loneliness, but as awareness, anticipation, satisfaction, confidence, almost exultation. I like the feeling. Outside my window I can see stars, and that is all. The moon below is dark. To compare this sensation with something terrestrial, perhaps being alone in a skiff in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a pitch black night would most nearly approximate my situation. In a skiff, one would see bright stars above and black sea below. Ah, sounds nice. While Star Voyager Collins turns up the lights and enjoys a cozy cabin, feeling like he has a fire in the fireplace, traveling a quarter of a million miles from Earth. So keep the fire burning. Look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Many cultures, one sky with Skywatcher Leo T. Check tonight's show notes for a link to his Facebook page where you can get all the sources and see some of the photos that go with this week's Skylore report from the Skywatcher. And Al, before we get to our legislative update with Symbria Patterson of Red Acre Center, I wanted to slip in an event that's coming up on February 10th. That's when the Laced Hair Foundation, a nonprofit founded by Lacey Gadegard West, will be raising money to help women who suffer from hair loss due to various health issues. And in fact, her passion for this stems from her own experience. Here's a bit of a conversation I had with her. A little history. Um, I also am a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist for almost two decades now. And in that journey of being a hairstylist, I fell in love with hair extensions. Um, I myself have very fine hair. And so uh, offering hair extensions was really incredible. Um, so just to kind of have that background too is important with my story. Um, I've always suffered from migraines. I remember being a little girl and just having insane headaches. Um, but they started getting really bad. I started having like two or three a week and they're pretty debilitating. I mean, I need to lock myself in a room. They last hours, sometimes days. So those started getting worse. Um, one morning I woke up and the left side of my face was just completely paralyzed. Um, I do have some family in the medical field and it almost emulated like maybe I was having a stroke. Um, I had, uh, my speech was really slurred. It was hard to walk. So I went into, um, I went into the ER, they did an MRI and 
they found a tumor on my brain. Um, they scheduled a surgery for the very next day and, um, it was only to do a biopsy. And so I actually opted out of the surgery because it was in an inoperable spot. They couldn't remove it. Um, and we just kind of wanted to see what was going on. So we, um, we were able to, um, just kind of wait, start some treatments and see if it would grow. That's when they could know if it was cancerous or not. So anyways, I started getting treatments. I was at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Um, and people go there for a, a variety of reasons, multiple sclerosis, other autoimmune disease, people getting chemotherapy. So they started me on a very high dose of steroids and some other infusions just to uh, see if the swelling on my brain could go down. Um, while I was there, I lost 70% of my hair. Um, and it, that was really hard for me, but I honestly, I wore hair extensions so I could clip in my extensions and you couldn't really tell, but I was able to meet some women while I was there and, you know, we're there for hours, just hooked up to our machines and they all just complimented my hair. And I always had a beanie over it because you could see where the hair was gone. And they just were like, how is your hair still so beautiful? Even the nurses asked me about it. And I just told everyone, I just said, it's hair extensions. So that's kind of the backstory of what happened and how I got the idea to create a charity to give back to women also suffering from hair loss. So the Laced Hair Foundation, now a 501c3 nonprofit. And coming up on February and coming up on February 10th, you've got the Hair for Hope first annual charity gala. What's that going to be about? How can people get involved? Yeah. So kind of going back to the story, uh, like I mentioned, women lose their hair and all these women were asking me, oh, so those are extensions. How much are they? When I don't have all these medical bills piling up, I'm going to come see you and I want to get those extensions. And that was when I just thought, oh my gosh, I am going to do something to get back to women because extensions are very expensive. So um, how people can help, we have... Um, we do have this event coming up. Uh, it is, everything goes obviously to the charity. We have a silent auction at this event. It should be really fun. We have some people there that were recipients from our foundation, um, meaning we were able to gift them hair extensions, uh, going through while they were going through their journey of hair loss. And, uh, um, so you can buy tickets to that on our website. You can also, um, also just donate. We have sponsorships available on our website. You can also just make a simple donation and that goes to buying hair for these women. So far, we haven't been able to turn or we haven't had to turn away any recipient. Um, and I, that makes me very happy. But as we start to grow, we realize the need and we just want to help more women. So we're really excited to have this event and to raise some money and hopefully just to keep helping women feel really confident. So we're really excited. So what is the website where folks can learn more, maybe pick up those tickets, but also they can nominate someone to receive exactly. hair extensions? That's what I love so much. You can also nominate yourself. Um, and we just ask them to share their story, why they want extensions, what type of extensions. And a lot of times someone nominates their best friend or their sister or their self. Um, and we send them hair. They find a hairstylist that can um, put them in for them. We also offer that service at my salon, uh, locally in Salt Lake city or it's in Sandy, but locally. So, um, but yeah, the nominations that come through are so inspiring and we love hearing women's stories and just 
giving them that little bit of confidence when um, with her extensions. So the website is lacedhair.com and we have a foundation tab where you can search it. And then we also have a foundation page that's lacedhairfoundation.org and that talks more about our story. And then the lacedhair.com is where you can purchase tickets if you are wanting to come to the event. And how is your health today, Lacey? So in a turn of events, I always say it's my, it's the best worst news ever that the brain tumor actually turned into a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. Um, so I do suffer from MS, but I am doing pretty well. I have good and bad days, like most people that have MS symptoms and yeah, I'm doing really great. I found out some of my health problems, like I said, the autoimmune and some other things and it, you know, yeah, thanks for asking, but yeah, it's doing pretty well. Well, Lacey, best of luck to you and hopefully it's a healthy and happy 2022 for you and your family. And we'll put in the show notes tonight links to the Laced Hair Foundation and the gala happening February 10th at Hidden Valley Country Club in Sandy. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. Lacey Gattegaard West of the Laced Hair Foundation, the Hair for Hope Charity Gala coming up on February 10th, a night to celebrate and bring awareness to women suffering from hair loss due to health issues. Check tonight's show notes as well as rallies and resources for more details, folks. All right, Al, let's do a little bit of legislative update with our friend from Red Acre Center, Simbria Patterson. Simbria, how are you? Uh, good morning. I got to sit and talk a little bit with you this morning and, uh, Talk a little bit about what this little meeting was this morning, and it's happening every week. So it's on Thursdays, not on Fridays. Yeah, we're taping this on Thursday, just for the listeners following along. It's on Thursdays from 9.30 to 10.30, and we're just trying to give a space for people who might be intimidated by the process, or maybe they've never been up there before, and um, we... It's casual. We can take a walk around. We can go up and show them the ropes. Or today we just were talking to some folks who, you know, feel a little frustrated, feel like they're, they, it, they're, it's daunting. There's too many things to focus on. So we, we focus on food and ag. And that, that's what we talk about when we're there and what's happening on the Hill currently. And if there's things they want to see brought up and anyone is welcome, 930 to 1030. And like you said, we We've hit some of the best pastry places in town. We switch it up every week and we have hot tea. And so you guys have been up there on the hill for a while. Um, the pulse on the local food scene has really changed up there it, the, from the way it started to what's going on right now. Um, give us a little bit of a uh, background on that. We are not the Lone Rangers anymore. And, <laughs> you know, they talk about things like the food hub and the farmer's market. And there's an ask for a farmer's market coordinator this year. There's an ask for the food hub. And I know Allison is um, asking, you know, she's looking at getting that, her big dream, her big vision of turning that into an everyday market ask up on the hill now. And that's all new that those folks had never been up there before. And there's other lobbyists up there now for local food and, and anything related to it. So it's awesome. There's a local food advisory committee too, is there not? Yes. And I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I see there's so much happening. I can't even keep track of it all anymore. So um, yeah. And we have Senator, we have a Senator and a representative 
that both are involved with that. And um, they're on the Hill watching out for everything. And we have members of the Food Advisory Council who testify in different committees and have different ask. And, and we have what, we have a farmer's market day on the Hill now. Allison will be doing that on the 14th. I hope she'll be on your show next week. Valentine's Day is when she's going to be doing Farmer's Market Day on the Hill. That's pretty sweet. Uh, very, no pun intended. And then, um, yeah, and we did a small ag day on the Hill with Red Acre Center. And we had all kinds of local farmers and the food that they actually ate. We talked about that last week was produced. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a different world up there. And we have a voice. And I think it's a, a good one. It's not contentious. We're not protesting. It's just we're, we're all at the table now. Well, and Al, we, I think we mentioned this last week, your activism going from Rock Against Reagan to talking with Senator Gene Davis in the Capitol Rotunda. It's the long game that builds relationships and can uh, affect positive change for the small ag community, Al. It's really, you know, uh, for folks who don't know, it's it seems really intimidating. But when I messaged my, I, I have phone numbers for for Mark Wheatley now. And when I messaged him, he, he sent a text right back. I'll be there tomorrow, Al, for sure. I mean, these, pe these people are accessible and they want to talk to you. It's not as daunting as folks think. And I really want to thank Sarah and Cimbria for imparting that on me and everyone else that they do. It's so amazing. Cimbria Patterson of Red Acre Center and her daughter, Sarah Patterson. And I just remember when we met you so many years ago, it feels like it's been ages, but uh, so much that you've accomplished. And now you, you're wanting to show folks the rope. So uh, again, Thursday mornings, 930, where are you at the Capitol? If folks want to meet you for politics and pastry and uh, see how things work? Room 160 in the main Capitol building. And what's the website for the center? Redacrecenter.org. Thank you, Cimbria. Thank you. Enjoy your lunch. Thank you. All right. So this is perfect, Al, that it's Farmer's Market Day on February 14th at the Capitol. We need to ask folks to send some love notes from and to the small ag community. If you're a Farmer's Market fan, all you got to do to send your love note over the air here at KRCL is call 801-903-1279 and leave a voice message. Leave your love note for small urban farmers, punk rock farmers, backyard gardeners. Maybe you support small ag by hitting the farmer's market in your neighborhood. We'd love to hear about it. So send your Valentine a love note on the radio by calling 801-903-1279. Leave your voice message by midnight, Friday, February 11th, Al. So we got to get that word out, okay? That sounds great, folks. Let's do it. Al, time for another song from Hum Here, Utah Music with Jason Rabb. Jason, you, do you want to explain to us a little bit about how folks um, apply for this and how they get on the list, how they get in the catalog? Yeah, absolutely. So we're always adding music to the home collection and we have um, a call for submissions twice a year. And right now we have an open call for submissions that goes until February 22nd. And it's an open call for music made in Utah in the last five years. And you can submit your music right there on the home site um, at hum.slcpl.org. And there's also more inf information there about the, the submission process. Um, but you submit your music there. Um, we pay $200 for every album that is selected to be a part of the collection, $100 for EPs, 
And we have a community jury that selects all the music for the collection. So it's not just some guy at the library picking music for this collection. Hey, is anybody from KRCL on that really quick, Jason? Absolutely. We have a brand new jury this year. And Talia Keys is on the jury this year who has KRCL ties and has also been doing amazing music in the community for many years. Right. She does the We're Here with Talia Keys show Saturday, Sunday at midnight. And of course, longstanding musician in the community, Al. Jason, will you tell us a little bit about the next one, Neon Natives? Uh, yeah, Neon Natives is a, a one-person project from the reservation down in the Four Corners area of Utah. Um, Neon Natives is from the San Carlos Apache tribe, the Diné tribe, and collaborates with folks um, in those communities and infuses indigenous sounds with different styles and beats and creates something really interesting. And even though it's a one person project, I feel like Neon Natives is more of a community project. Yeah, it features the Martin sisters. I take it folks from Neon Natives own community. That's right, yes. And the next song is Neon Natives with Future Trust, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
The teen formal wear swap is back at the Salt Lake County Library. Donate gently used pre-laundered men's and women's formal wear items at any county library branch this month. Then teens can pick their outfits in March just in time for prom season. More details at thecountylibrary.org. Support for KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at mobilemooncoop. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown. The Friday Night Fallout team is in at 10.30. You can find the entire programming lineup online at krcl.org. Click the Programming tab, and you can listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show, including Punk Rock Farmer Friday with Al Dynstrick 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. Al, it's time for your Urban Farm Report. Yes, today we have Ron and Anita from uh, RNA Hydroponics, and um, you guys have been on a long journey. You guys, um, a few years ago, you were with us for the first time. You, will you tell um, tell us, Ron, a little bit about what your setup was like then, and uh, what you guys' dream was at the beginning? All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even decide who's going to talk. Um, well, about six years ago, as you know, you came out and interviewed us back then. Uh, we had a small uh, 12 by 12 greenhouse with uh, 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 outside hydroponic vertical system where we grew uh, cherry tomatoes and herbs and some cucumbers and peppers. And it was just almost, a, you would consider it a, a very large hobby farm, maybe. And uh, we were doing that and uh, got into the farmer's markets. Got into the farmer's markets. We've been doing, we've been at Wheeler for five, six years now. We've been downtown full time since last summer. And uh, we just were trying to figure out uh, where we wanted to go with it and uh, thought, well, we're going to have to go big. And uh, we thought we'd buy some property and with a house and then build a greenhouse. Well, this past backwards. year, we uh, we did it backwards, as Anita was saying. We, we found a big greenhouse, and it, as you saw the other day, Al, it is a Cadillac of greenhouses. Uh, we've, we've got a 4,200-square-foot greenhouse, and it's uh, a totally different system than we were using. And uh, But now we're doing leafy greens and herbs and just trying to make it work. What did you What did you think about it back then, Anita? What was your What was your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, whose idea was this, by the way? Yours or uh, it was Ron's. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really into the idea of doing it, but um, after I started the whole process uh, from propagation, the seeding, and watching them grow, and then become plants, it was kind of like mothering all over again so it was i began to get really into it and it was like a like a little part-time job in a way i could be home with the kids and my mom lived with us and then like ron said after a few years we're like you know we ought to give this a try see what we can do and i was um we were looking for property and i was flipping through zillow one day and this greenhouse showed up 
and I was like, we might want to look into this. So we um, found it, and now we're um, growing a different type of hydroponics, but it's been a pretty amazing experience. We've had our ups and downs, but um, we're able to increase our markets, and we can grow year-round, which is fabulous. Yeah. I, I remember that you were a little tentative back then. I remember that part of it. And Ron was pretty gung-ho. <laughs> and now when I came to see you, when I came to see you guys the other day, here you are sitting in your nursery with all your little plants with the biggest smile on your face, the proudest mama of all. So right. the, the, tables really, the tables really kind of turned a little bit, didn't they? Yes, <laughs> it, it took a little time to get around, but I, I love it now. I, I feel like we found something that we love to do. We're doing it together, and it's so far so good. <laughs> and, and Ron, you, you retired. You, you're, this is what you guys do now. Yes. And um, there, there's a house there on the property that's being remodeled. You guys are going to be right there. This went from a tiny little tubey little uh, operation in the backyard. Explain a little bit about the automated space that you're in now. It's right up there with, I've seen Frog Bench Farm. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's quite an operation. You guys are knocking on that door. Tell us about... Uh, mention the size base again and how much you guys are growing there. Yeah, we uh, the system that we're using is uh, referred to as an NFT, which is a uh, nutrient film transfer, transfer and uh, it runs 24-7. Uh, you can kind of think of it like uh, some of the rain gutter systems that people build themselves. Uh, this is from a company called American Hydroponics out of Eureka, California. Uh, the previous owner built the greenhouse. It is a 4,200 square foot greenhouse. Uh, it doesn't have the plastic sheet cover on it. It actually has twin wall polycarbon on it, which is considerably more durable. Uh, like right now we're sitting here and I think it's uh, 20 some odd degrees outside. And I think it's 75 in here right now, 71. Yeah, you're in t-shirt and flip-flops. Yeah, yes. actually that's, uh, <laughs> I come in with a jacket on in the morning and I'm taking it off the minute I walk in the door. It's uh, it's really nice in here. And so explain a little bit of, about how it, how it comes up and runs out. Like you said, it's kind of a, a rain gutter system where you have these long gutters. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we have uh, 12 foot long channels as we refer to them as. Uh, in our, our nursery station, there are 72 holes in the 12 foot channel. And we'll move those from the propagation or seeding. We'll leave them there for a couple of weeks and then we'll move them into the finishing channels, which are also 12 feet long, but only have 18 holes in them. So you have space for the lettuce heads to grow or the dill to grow out or cilantro or basil plants you know just to name a few of what we grow and it's all the water is recirculating I have a large 1800 gallon tank that's buried in the underneath the greenhouse uh with a big pump and it runs 24 7 and we just add nutrients to it as needed and balance the ph for what lettuce wants 
and uh, just watch it grow and, <laughs> and try to take care of it the best we can. So, Anita, there's there's a lot of planning involved to keep this thing productive and keep things moving and from station to station and, you know, do, uh, the site, the plants get bigger, you move them. And it's it's just about totally full right now. And um, what's what's the planning involved like to to to, to keep it going? Well, you want to um, try to stay within that six week range from when you start to um, seed and have them in propagation about two weeks there and then two weeks in the nursery system and then two weeks in finishing and then harvest and then you are able to start all over again and constantly have your crops rotating through the systems so that way each week you're harvesting and each week you're planting it's amazing. And you guys have a little a board where you have everything mapped out on it, written what the when they're going to be ready and this and that. And, and uh, you know, uh, a little bit ago, you talked about um, some setbacks, too. You had a couple of setbacks. You had an infestation of aphids that, that may have come from um, maybe maybe the neighboring farms you guys are speculating, they picked all their crop. So then they, the bugs had to find a place to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they moved into our greenhouse for a short time, but it was, um, it was a big loss. It was a big learning curve. We basically had to clean the greenhouse completely out and start over. Um, you have to be very careful about coming in and out of the greenhouse. You can bring bugs in and not even know it. Um, so we had to really get some strict standards about what we were doing in the greenhouse. And it's we've overcome that now, and we're back in sync where we were in the summer. So we're, we're hoping yeah. we can stay on top of that. There's preventative measures we use to um, spray with, no chemicals it's all natural products we yeah. use and they said i hopefully we're on top of it again yeah it, it was a big loss for us but we're working through it we've had some help from some other farms locally i know uh i think rebecca down at snook farms talked to us a lot uh one of our friends from the farmer's market matt helped us out a lot he's a zoologist and yeah. has a ton of knowledge so we've, we've reached out to some of these people that we've met and uh, they've really helped us out a lot. So all of us in the small farming, we try to help each other. That's something that I've seen is no one's just cutthroat. We're all wanting to help each other. We all want to yeah. grow good local produce to, to feed everyone. That's some love right there, Al. Right. I mean, it's a great community. It really is. And we've, we've witnessed that through the years. And, uh, and it's, you know, it, it, everyone wants to help each other. What a great thing. So you guys are growing. You guys have nothing stopping you to grow all year round. Even on cloudy days, you have lights and stuff in there. And it's always warm. So it's just gangbusters, right? We hope so. <laughs> we're working on it well we still have to um watch the temperature i mean in the summer yeah. we battle very 
high 100 degree. You can't have 100 degrees in the greenhouse and have plants grow. They didn't like the heat, so we had to cool things down. So we're, we're constantly watching the weather and keeping our temperatures at regulated. Ron and Anita, so hydroponics, what I know about it is from my seventh grade uh, <laughs> junior high school science fair. And so I'm thinking about your operation and what you just said about, you know, having to keep that temperature moderated. How does this differ? Uh, is it cost more than traditional farming techniques to, to, to monitor all this energy? Tell us a bit about that. The startup costs are considerably higher than if you were just to take a, you know, equal size piece of land, a 4,200 square foot garden per se, you know, you just go out and till it up and get it ready. Whereas when you're doing hydroponics, you know, we actually have a concrete floor. We have a 4,200 square foot greenhouse that was built. So your startup costs are considerably more, but we can plant considerably more per square foot. And we have a quicker turnover, you know, at six to eight week turnover where we're getting plants out every week now and the water usage is up to 70 percent by some accounts versus what you would use to water a 4200 square foot garden so you know the the benefits are that we can go year round especially in utah's climate where you you know you can get frozen out early september you know, and you, you know, a last freeze will be Mother's Day, typically. And so, you know, we're growing year round. So that's, that's a benefit. But yeah, the startup costs are considerably more. But once you, you've covered that, I, I think it's probably equal or less than traditional farming. I mean, I don't have a monster John Deere tractor to put diesel in right now at $4 a gallon. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big cost. You know, now our, our heating and electric bills were a little bit scary when we first saw them. So it was like, oh, that's what it costs to heat the greenhouse for a month. But, you know, we're figuring it out as we go. So I, I think overall, it's gonna be really good. We've only been doing this since um, June. June. So we're not, quite a year into it yet. So we're still learning this process, but there are a lot of other smaller hydroponic systems that people can do in their home that are amazing. Yeah. The fact that you guys recirculate water and you guys keep using uh, the same, the same water, you don't, it's not going into the ground and then soaking in and going away. You guys are running it down little troughs and it goes back into the tank. So as far as drought and what our farmers are used to, you guys are solving that problem pretty much with hydroponics, correct? Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. Yeah, it's, it's in, we use city water, so it's, it's readily available and, and we're not wasting any of it. What, what, what about the future? What do you think it holds for you guys now that you've gone from this little tiny system in your backyard, you, now you have it. Now, what, what's next? Uh, geez, uh, getting this under control, having this really tuned in. And I think we'll be able to do that this year because it's a great system. Uh, and then also knowing our markets a little bit better, uh, you know, 
on maybe expanding to one market more because we're at two now with Wheeler when it's going on in the summer and downtown summer and winter, maybe adding, there's some, some talk about Liberty Park, maybe doing one. So maybe doing that one and then also finding out more about restaurants. Uh huh. There's there's a there's a new market going that's coming up in Harriman um, that maybe I've I was networking a little bit at the food conference, farm and food conference. And I have some cards for the ladies who are putting on that market. Maybe that's because that's kind of over by where you guys oh, yeah. are. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. That might be a good thing. But then you said restaurants, too. Now, you guys are uh, you have a lot of produce now. And so searching out restaurants and even salsa now, um, you guys grow a lot of basil, like 10 pounds a, a week, maybe up to. That's great. For uh, for Salsa Diablo, tell us a little bit about that relationship. That's actually been a work, work in progress. Uh, not knowing exactly what we were able to grow last year, uh, Daniel has is, is been great and it's always been very kind to us and always encouraged us a lot. And uh, so this past week, we, we worked out a deal and I took him 10 pounds of basil and uh, hopefully it, it goes from there. And uh, we're trying to work a deal where we supply them on a more continuous basis. We'll have to grow more for them, but we know about how many plants we need per week for them. So we'll be able to, to, to work a deal with them. So, you know, a shout out to Sauce Diablo for helping us out there. And uh, there's also a Happy Camper Deli out at Gardner Village. Uh, they've been buying from us as much as they can, as much as we can supply them. And uh, so that's another good one that we're working with. So we're, we're trying to stretch our legs a little bit and see where we can go. But yeah, the sky's the limit right now for us. This does not sound like a rocking chair retirement, Ron and Anita. <laughs> yes, that's right. No. <laughs> I say that uh, frequently. <laughs> I, I hope to have a rocking chair on my back porch to sit in in the evenings. But no, it's uh, was was not quite the retirement uh, that you would think of. But I'm only 58, so a little early to just sit back and do nothing for a while. So I figure I got another 15 plus years, and. Uh, Hopefully, good things will happen. My mom lived till ninety nine, so I'm in for the long Jeez. run. Yes, <laughs> got, got to set my wife up for a, a, a longevity here. So, <laughs> working on that. It makes a difference when you're doing something you enjoy. Too. Yeah. So, um, where are you guys going to be at? Where can folks get and find out where you're going to be at? Where you're going to be selling your greens and where you can get your food. Right now, we're doing the winter downtown market gateway. at the Gateway. Uh, we will be at Wheeler Farm and the summer market in, starting in June, I suspect. And uh, our website is going to be new, but it is rahydroponics.com. And it just stands for Ron and Anita. So rahydroponics.com is the website. Uh, it is under construction right now, and hopefully in the next couple of two to three weeks, we'll be up and running, and people will be able to see where we're going to be. We hope to have actually a, a shopping list where they can actually see what we're growing 
and the prices, and they'll be able to select it. We'll be able to pick it and take it to market and just have them pick it up there. And possibly in the future, we might have a, a day where they could come by the house and pick it up. But that's that's yet to be determined. Well, thanks so much, you guys. It's really been a pleasure to watch you guys grow from the small setup into where you are now and to be so enthusiastic about it still is uh, is amazing you guys are doing a great service to the community i love it you guys are great thanks so much thank you thank Thank you all so much thank you for having us and that's ron and anita murphy of rna hydroponics and don't forget you can see them tomorrow at the farmer's market the winter market at the gateway right al yes they'll be down there it's in the old sir latob space It's just across the street from where it was last time. It's right by the fountain. Down there on the north end. Yeah. Okay. And don't forget, you can send a love note to RNA Hydroponics through KRCL. We've got that Valentine's Day love note program going again. All you got to do is call 801-903-1279 to leave a voice message. And we'd love to hear shout outs to and from urban farmers, punk rock farmers, backyard gardeners, farmers market lovers, call 801-903-1279 and leave your small ag valentine a love note. Who are you going to leave one to, Al? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can think of a few people, I bet. Uh, maybe maybe we can do it to, towards the, uh, the, the market folks and the downtown alliance and those guys. They do a pretty good job. All right, we're on it. And that's our show, but not before we get one more song from Hum, Hear Utah Music. It's the local music catalog curated by the Salt Lake City Public Library. They just released season two owl of Hum TV, and there's an open application period right now for all Utah bands to submit music created in the last five years, Al. Jason, why don't you tell us when the deadline is and what folks need to do to, to get involved? Sure. The, the submission for music for the home collection is until February 22nd. And anybody with music made in Utah that would like to submit to the, to the uh, collection can do that on the home site. We have an online submission form. And, and just some other things about the, the home collection. I mean, we have streaming music, we have the poster archive, which is a collection of old concert posters. And we have a video collection called Home TV, which is a new part of the site, um, something we got up and going during the pandemic. Um, we've always had a lot of live music at the library and, and wanted to find a way to continue that through the pandemic. So we have a video collection called Hum TV, and it spotlights musicians from the Hum collection performing live in their own spaces. And it also has interviews and conversations with um, folks from the community. We have a guest host, a different guest host for each episode of Hum TV. And it's really cool to not only spotlight musicians uh, from the community, but folks in the community that, that are advocating for local music, you know, that are that are kind of working to support local music in the community as well. So awesome. Lots going on with local music. The library is totally on board. Uh, get your submissions in and uh, be part of this amazing catalog. Thanks so much for being with us, Jason. Um, I think it's a really great thing you guys are doing there. Videos, that's even, that's awesome. That's really cool. Jason, will you tell us a little bit about the web, uh, where folks can get to on the website and a little bit about these guys coming up, Rosie. So you can find the, the submission form on the HUM site, which is H-U-M, 
www.slcpl.org. And this next song is by Rosie Diamond called Maple Hill. And Rosie Diamond describes her music as bone chilling dream pop for the wounded at heart. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Maple Hill by Rosie Diamond, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. 